Hi, Deadpool here with an important public service announcement. Hear the music. Greetings, my eating chimichanga lovers. This is Michael Mother fucking Moreno. And with me, as always, is Thomas fucking Logue. And you are listening to the best goddamn podcast in the sucking universe the comic fucking relief ball licking podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? We are talking Deadpool today on this very special episode how you doing today thomas i am doing good and how you doing oh man i'm feeling i'm feeling mouthy <laughs> Merc with yeah, the mouth. Yeah, yeah a little vulgar all right so because of you know everybody's excited for the movie coming out on on valentine's weekend uh we decided that we would do a all Merc with the mouth podcast so deadpool has always been one of these characters that since since he he was created it, it it was a slow burn but he had like a kind of a cult following before he became real mainstream everybody knew who deadpool was everybody knew the the mask but outside of comics not so much right he wasn't a spider-man he wasn't a hulk he wasn't one of these big a-lister names he is now and that's the thing like when he first came out you know when rob liefeld drew him in the mutants and you know he had two appearances there because he appeared in '98, I believe it was. Not a lot of people knew who he was. You know, he yeah. just he had a few appearances, and it was like, oh, okay, here's this guy. He looks like Spider-Man. Whatever. If you look at that now, it's amazing how popular he is now. It was a slow burn. Once that fuse was lit, once it caught up to the uh, to the TNT, he's he was everywhere. I have to ask you, what do you think made Deadpool as popular as he is now? Like, at what point do you think that happened? Like, what was the fuse? I mean, I don't know any one comic or storyline in particular, but I think the development of his of his humor was definitely a big part of that. Because there are a lot of cool looking characters, right? There's, you know, just off the top of my head, Punisher, Ghost Rider, right? You have these guys that have a very iconic look. But can you describe their personality? personality right can you describe a character by their personality you can do that with spider-man you can do that with the hulk batman they're very clearly defined characters deadpool has a look deadpool has the weapons you know he was a part of the x-books he had all that going for him but i think his humor and him breaking the fourth wall really skyrocketed him into into fame like here was this guy you know before he took off you could have bought new mutants number 98 for like a dollar in the dollar bin and now it's like whatever 500 bucks for a pretty good copy of uh new mutants number 98 yeah oh absolutely would, would, would do you consider there to be a storyline or something that really set him off other than the fact that i know fabian did some of the writing and fabian excels at writing characters very very well you know i did not follow deadpool past x-force but whatever fabian probably started i think is what really started that flame i don't know when it happened but i think that had a good deal to do with it and thomas is referring to writer fabian nasiza i always thought it was uh, we discussed this before yeah i thought it was nasiska nasiska yeah i don't see the second c in there so i see nasizia 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 and uh, the artist uh, was rob liefeld Yes. Very controversial person in comic books. (laughs) (laughs) He has uh, given life to some of the more popular uh, characters, but has been heavily criticized for his art style. Right. And, you know, and that's so that's a thing that gets me. So Rob Liefeld indeed gets a a lot of, you know, 
from other people, including his peers, about his quote-unquote inability to draw. Like, uh, you know, he draws super big thighs and like these tiny little ankles and tiny little waists, but big pouches and big muscles. He knows how to, well, I'm not, you know, I'm sure he's worked down his art since the 90s, but he likes to hide parts of the body that he does not like to draw. Draw, so yeah. He like, like to draw feet, so he would draw the characters leaping everywhere. Yeah. Or, or they would just rocks. put a random rock in, yes, yeah. in front of parts that he doesn't like to draw pretty genius i mean a lot of his art influenced what you would consider to be 90s art style right a lot of pouches huge huge characters i mean it's all total 90s schlock but he epitomized that art style and the thing is uh when i wrote the article on our site, comicreliefpodcast.com, in case you're listening and you don't know. I did a thing for the happy 24th birthday for Image, and i looking up some stuff because, for me, Image started with Youngblood, Cyberforce, and all that stuff. And I learned an interesting fact that Youngblood, which was drawn and written by Rob Liefeld, was the biggest selling independent comic in history at the time. Oh, wow. Greater than Spawn, greater than all the other Image yep. comics? No way. Outsold them all. And it's probably because it came out first. It was one of the first Image titles to be released. Oh, I see. So that was the big deal. There was a lot of hype about these artists and uh, and writers leaving Marvel and starting their own company. And I, I did not realize that his was the first comic that was released. Yeah, his was one of the first, and it was the highest-selling independent comic. So for all the crap that people give him, people were out there buying it. I mean, I know a lot of people <laughs> bought multiple copies. I bought like two or three copies of uh, Youngblood, but that's still saying a lot. Oh, yeah. Did Youngblood come with the um, it bagged with a card? No, that was X-Force. X-Force number one came bagged and five different cards. So you would have to buy five different copies if you want all the cards. But then do you open it? Oh, well, you got to buy a sixth one. So you can <laughs> exactly. Open it. Oh, man, the 90s, right? <laughs> the 90s. <laughs> I like Rob. He's a nice guy, and he's a great creator. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. It's it's very true. Met him. We both have met him at a couple of different cons, and he's always been very cool. Oh, absolutely. Slade Wilson is Deathstroke in the DC universe, and what is Deadpool's name? Wade Wilson, I believe Fabian was the one who made him that name to make it kind of like a little punch that basically Deadpool was a knockoff of Deathstroke. Fabian saw the the Rob's rendition or art, you know, art on on Deadpool, and and what did what did Fabian say to Rob? Uh, he had said something along the lines that he had pretty much drawn Deathstroke and a mixture of Spider-Man. So the similar, I don't I don't think either Rob or Fabian deny these similarities. But to be fair, though, do you really think at the time that they created Deadpool, they could see? that Deadpool becoming one of Marvel's biggest characters or biggest names. Yeah, and you know, both Marvel and DC have done something similar where they take and create a character that is clearly a knockoff of the other companies. Absolutely. You know? There's there's a number of these type of characters. I yeah. mean, you can you can go down the list and I'm sure if you just googled it similar characters, they'll be the top 10, the top 5, the top 20. No, I was going to say you can take uh Anything from like Hyperion from Marvel is basically a knockoff of Superman. Uh, Gladiator is a knockoff of Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's only, I mean, look, if it works, it's like Coke and Pepsi, right? If it's working for one company, why not try to, you know, 
uh, why not have a similar character in your lineup, right? So you can you can at least have those those traits, those character traits. And what's funny is if you showed someone the Deathstroke kind of color scheme and pattern, I'd hazard to say that, you know, maybe a handful of people might recognize it, people that know comics. But if you showed, you know, someone the Deadpool design, you'd probably get twice that, probably even more after this movie comes out. Oh, yeah. It's just like what we've joked about at conventions we've gone to. Everything you see there is Harley Quinn and Deadpool. Deadpool. That's all you see. Well, not all you see. That is the majority of what you see is Harley Quinn and Deadpool. Yeah, very popular characters. Very similar, too. There's a lot of similarities between those two characters. Characters that don't take themselves too seriously, that don't take others seriously at all. A lot of comic relief. I mean, the color scheme is almost similar, you know, red and black. Red and black. So it's definitely the female Deadpool or the male. I would say the female Deadpool over the male Harley Quinn because Deadpool came first. Uh, Did he? Yeah, yeah. Harley Quinn came out. Well, that's a good question because Harley Quinn came out in the uh, Batman animated series, right? So you'd have to go back and see. So Deadpool, like we mentioned earlier, it was a slow burn. He was originally meant to be a villain. His first appearance in uh, New Mutants number 98 wasn't very eventful. He was just kind of a villain, came out, you know, uh, had a tussle with the New Mutants and then was defeated and then the story moved on right so he was a henchman essentially yeah so his personality has been developed by a number of different writers and artists and it's kind of developed and and grown into be its own creature and you've seen him in video games and movies and and he was in the uh, wolverine origins movie and Uh, let's not talk about that oh we're gonna talk about (laughs) deadpool has made an appearance in uh wolverine origins yeah I remember telling one of the studio execs, I said, you guys are going to, they're going to, people are going to go nuts over this. And he was like, I know, right? And I was like, no, not in a good way. Yeah. So (laughs) I know it's going to be really, it's really easy to jump into what sucks. Right, because that's people have done that. Uh, they they beat that dead horse. I remember getting a call from that same executive. He was like, "Can you fly back so we can reshoot some of this stuff?" And I was like, "I'm shooting another movie." I- Let's talk about what they what they did get right. What 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 did you like about Deadpool in Origins? Well, the thing for me is actually 95 percent of the movie is actually okay. It is that last five minutes for me. So some guy was just like, "You know, what would be really cool besides this eight ball I just snorted. <laughs> let's let's give him laser eyes." <laughs> Laser eyes and huge blades that come out of nowhere. And he should fly. No, he shouldn't fly. Let's leave that, let's leave that out for realism. Honestly, Ryan Reynolds is the perfect cast for Deadpool. They got the right guy. That's one of the things that they got right is they got the right actor for the job. Yeah, it was. I was already attached to the Deadpool movie. Um, we hadn't at that point written the script yet, but... Um, you know that that came along, and I and I was it was sort of like play Deadpool in this movie, or we'll get someone else to. And I just said I'll I'll do it, but it's the wrong version. It was um, Deadpool wasn't correct in it. So every line I have in the movie, I just wrote myself because it's in, in the script that we had. It just said Wade Wilson shows up, talks really fast. I was like, what? What am I supposed to do with that? So I, I had fun with the beginning stuff. I felt like that was pretty appropriate for Wade Wilson. Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. I mean, yeah, without totally. all the killing, but the, yeah. <laughs> his natural ability to be sarcastic and still be funny, not like an asshole. Uh, That's just something Ryan Reynolds does so well. He got the right actor. They got the right personality. They got every, they got 
Wade Wilson, let's just say not even Deadpool, Wade Wilson, they nailed, right? So let's talk about what they messed up. His mouth was so... Ch- yeah, he's got the Merc the, with the mouth, and they sewed his mouth shut. Sense. Yeah, no, not... Even, <laughs> I mean, because Hollywood's a logical place. I yeah, mean, it's right. a, Honestly, like I said, the movie is good up to that last five minutes. So let's not focus on the, <laughs> you know, where we came from, right? Let's focus on where we're going. Let's focus on the, you know, uh, X-Men First Class, X-Men, Age of Apocalypse, you know, all these new X-Men movies that are coming out, right? Because we wouldn't be here without those original x-men black leather they don't look anything like you know the characters <laughs> in the comics I'll, I'll say it man this is going to be fox's studios first x-men character that looks exactly like the true to form life of the comic character and what i'm hoping they realize is avengers has worked with them in costume deadpool is also going to work out successfully i'm hoping that they understand you know what hey putting these guys in costumes might just work so hopefully in future x-men movies maybe we'll see x-men in costumes so let's talk about these uh these these things that have developed this these personality traits and and history that's been you know developed for deadpool to tell it right we got to take you back before i squeeze this in spandex so deadpool is like like many other characters in comics his his history his background his original story has been retconned a few times one of the more popular and more accepted uh history is that he was diagnosed with cancer as a young man and he was offered a cure by the Weapon X Project, the same Weapon X Project that gave us Wolverine. The cure that was promised to, I was going to call him Slade, to Wade, <laughs> <laughs> to Wade Wilson was to give him the healing factor. They were trying to Replic- recreate, yeah, replicate Wolverine's healing factor. But instead, it caused the cancer to accelerate and it disfigured him. It made him look like a like- it looked like Freddy Krueger faced a topographical map of Utah. The experience left him heavily scarred, mentally unstable, and just as a cancer was about to kill him, the cure or the healing factor kicked in, but left him scarred and crazy and unable to live a normal life. Right. right. That was his falling into the vat of acid and turning into the Joker. And what's interesting, if I'm not mistaken, that Deadpool, even though Weapon X took him in and gave him this cure to try to replicate Wolverine's healing factor, Wade Wilson was actually not a mutant. He was just a normal dude. So he's considered a mutate, I guess, now. Oh, that's right. That's the uh, that's the term, right? Yeah. Because it's altered his genetics. But he was he's not he's not a mutant in the traditional sense that the X teams were, even though he's, you know, typically very closely associated with the X books and the X-Men teams and cable and he has a healing factor. He's not a mutant. Yep. Just like the juggernaut. Always in the X books, X-Men villain, not a mutant for all you uh, trivia fans out trivia there. Trivia fan, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when he was a young man, he was a he was in the military. One thing I did learn about Deadpool that I did not know is that he He's Canadian. Yes, I knew that. He's Canadian. So him being in the Canadian military and joining the Weapon X program project, whatever, it all makes sense. I mean, it all makes sense. He's in that part of the world where Wolverine is from and, you know, probably has a similar background to Wolverine. So So he used that military uh, experience to train to become a mercenary or to hone his skills. And that is a pretty good job to have if you are basically... Unkillable. I mean, un- 
unkillable. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say invulnerable, but he's not. He, he gets damage. He takes damage, but you can't kill him. So mercenary is a pretty darn good line of work. So let's go over some of the, uh, the trademarks. We talked about his recognizability in his uh, costume. What are some of the Deadpool trademarks? What, what do you need to have the Deadpool character be Deadpool? The number one thing for me when I think of Deadpool is his, uh, like his dialogue, his, you know, his banter, his wisecracks. That is the first thing I think of when I think of Deadpool. And what, what's funny is, you know, because of that and because of the red and black costume, he, he gets often mistaken for Spider-Man and he's very similar to Spider-Man. And what I really, really like about his interactions with Spider-Man is Spider-Man or Peter Parker is that character as well, right? He's obnoxious. He's has that banter. He annoys the heck out of villains when he's fighting. But when him and Deadpool are together, Deadpool annoys the heck out of Spider-Man. Spider-Man <laughs> really, really hates him. And, and all Deadpool wants to do is be his friend. Honestly, it reminds me of like uh, Bugs and Daffy. Like when when one is the character in his solo cartoon, they are the they you know like Bugs is the the main protagonist, right? Right. When you get Bugs and Daffy, they just go at each other, and they're just kind of smart, smart alecking off of each other. I don't know. It's kind of, kind of reminded me like that a little bit. Right? It reminded me of that. One of the other trademarks is he carries twin blades on his back. That's you usually see him with his twin blades. He'll always have guns and grenades and all these other cool gadgets, but he has the twin blades strapped to his back. So you definitely need that. And one of the other things that is known with Deadpool is him breaking the fourth wall, like oh, he. Yeah. He acknowledges that he's in a comic some of the time. Like he'll do the thing where his hands are like, you know, outside the panel, kind of like he's looking out Mm -hmm. and that type of stuff. That is that is a big one. And he does it on all the different uh, platforms. He'll do it in video games, right? He'll tell the the person controlling him what to do or that he's gonna, he's doing combos. Right? It's always <laughs> this thing. Or he, he'll say out loud that he critted just ridiculous stuff. And in the cartoons, he brings, you know, he mentions that he's in a cartoon. He constantly breaks the fourth wall and talks to the reader. You have to wonder, is he the most insane character in comics or is he the most sane character in comics? Because <laughs> he, he knows. knows. <laughs> he knows he's in a comic right nobody else knows everyone thinks every all the other characters are living their fictional lives except for him he knows he's the only one so also extreme violence he takes a lot of punishment another one of his traits uh, besides extreme violence is his ability to be completely unpredictable for example taskmaster can't mirror Deadpool's fighting style. Taskmaster does not like to fight Deadpool because Deadpool is so unpredictable that he can't keep up. Dude, that's actually pretty cool because I am a huge fan of Taskmaster. Of Taskmaster, yeah. Yeah, and that's actually a pretty cool notion that someone's instability mentally creates an improbable uh, fighting style that Taskmaster cannot mimic. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> cool little trait. And they're two cool characters. I do like Taskmaster and Deadpool. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat, too. He In, in one of the recent uh, miniseries, he fought up against Carnage. And he was essentially just doing the bounty hunter thing. He was I don't think he actually had a, they had a bounty on Carnage. I think he just kind of felt like it was his civic duty. He does this every once in a while. He's not necessarily a villain, right? Deadpool thought it, thought it would be proper for him to chase down the escaped... Uh, 
prisoner, right? Because Carnage had broken out of jail. So Deadpool goes after him. Of course, Carnage makes short work uh, out of Deadpool, destroys him, moves on. And Deadpool starts tapping into his own unpredictability and his own mental carnage. And he's able to track carnage and he just becomes a thorn in carnage's heel over this four or five issue story (laughs) arc and carnage just you can't deal with him because he keeps coming back he's just as unpredictable if not more than carnage and then of course deadpool finally ends up defeating carnage and you know no spoilers but you were telling about how he beats carnage but if you don't want to spoil it that's cool i thought it was pretty cool as to why or how let's just call it spoilers go ahead all right spoiler stop listening for about two seconds because that's all it's going to take that's what she said uh <laughs> that the fact that carnage from what i remember you telling me that carnage basically got sick and tired of deadpool chasing him around that he finally said screw it i'll go back to jail he put himself back in jail he He basically turned himself in that's pretty (laughs) awesome if you consider how insane carnage is there's always these scenes at the beginning of most deadpool stories where he's sitting in his couch watching tv and there'll be a number of panels where he goes goes like an entire day or two just flipping through channels channels and and i think he just saw that carnage had escaped and he just got up put his mask on grabbed his gear and just went after him so (laughs) One of the things with Deadpool that you just accept it's going to be like this crazy. If you're picking up a Deadpool comic, you know that weird stuff is going to happen. There's going to be like maybe 10 different types of Deadpool. He's going to get pulled apart like six different ways. And in the end, he's still going to win. Exactly. <laughs> but they have they have managed to write some really deep, really introspective Deadpool stories. But you're right. It always comes with a bunch of ridiculousness and yeah. nonsense. And sometimes they'll even plug him into a super serious story and Deadpool or a super serious team. Think like the, what was it, the Dark, uh, where it was like Archangel and Psylocke and Wolverine. Oh, X-Force. X-Force. There you go. And it was like the super dark team and the super dark costumes and everybody looked serious and Deadpool was in there too. <laughs> so he he's also associated with a few different characters, or commonly associated with these characters. He has his allies. He, you know, they they're begrudgingly his allies, but he's most commonly associated with with a uh, Cable. Yes, uh, because it was of course tied into his first appearance, and they've just kind of always plagued poor Cable with Deadpool, and they're just a classic odd couple, straight man and a wild card. I mean, Cable is about as straight of like this old grizzly cop type character right and then you throw deadpool in with them and it's just shenanigans it's weird because when i think of cable and deadpool i think of lethal weapon there you go because cable is basically uh, danny glover's character and <laughs> and deadpool is basically mel gibson's character Dude, that that is pretty spot on <laughs> I never even considered that. That is pretty good. That's it. That's it. They're, and you could even call it that. How come they haven't done a Cable Deadpool lethal weapon miniseries? <laughs> yeah, Deadpool lethal weapon. <laughs> yeah. That would be so perfect. Where Cable's like, he's uh, maybe a couple of weeks away from accomplishing his mission and going back to the future, right? Yeah. He's, he's about to retire and go back to his to timeline. Retire exactly and they've let um they've let deadpool back into the x-men and they've partnered him up with cable on the last <laughs> mission dude that's it practically writes itself it does and mark <laughs> should be listening and hiring us right now dead right lethal weapon <laughs> absolutely dude we could do that and even the name lethal weapon goes with deadpool you that's know what i'm saying <laughs> it's like 
perfect. That's what I'm saying. It goes perfect with Cable and Deadpool. Like, I could even see, like, you know, Deadpool Lethal Weapon and have the cover be a parody of all <laughs> Lethal Weapon covers. You know what I mean? With them back to back holding a gun. Dude, totally. They can do all the alt covers. You know, they, they, they could all the different movies, dude. Just do them all. And then do all the other characters like, you know, Joe Pesci's character and Chris Rock and have them be like Spider-Man and, and Weasel and Agent and Bob, Agent Bob. of Hydra. Yeah, dude. They can that, do it. They should do it. Dude, that would actually be really cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> and if you think about it, there's been four Lethal Weapon movies. Boom. Four issue limited series. Dude, that's it. This needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, Hit us up. We'll talk about it. <laughs> have so, your people call my people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's me. So in this new movie that's coming out, um, he has one of his sidekicks, Weasel. Don't know too much about Weasel. I always knew bob agent of hydra as deadpool sidekick when i think of bob and deadpool i basically think of of tick and arthur especially with how the hydra dudes look yeah exactly i mean that, that might be it but i mean you have this you know bob is essentially forced into becoming his sidekick right he doesn't really have a choice the way they meet is deadpool breaks into a, a hydra base and ends up taking him as a hostage almost and never looked back he's he's been at his side the entire time and he doesn't really want to be deadpool sidekick but he's always there for him and he feels like this sort of duty to help him even though Deadpool treats them like but they they have each other's back they save each other I mean but they are constantly pulling them each other out of like bad situations right it's when, it's like the tick and Arthur right Arthur never volunteered to be the tick's sidekick the tick just kind of picked him yeah moved into his apartment too moved into his apartment <laughs> exactly. I mean there's a number of characters right in the movie I think they're going to use um, Colossus which I think is an awesome pick not Colossus isn't really tied into Deadpool in any sort of special way in the comics or what is it uh Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Yeah, she's the one I didn't know from the trailer. Like, I saw the trailer, recognized everyone, but she was, I did not know who she was, like, when I saw her. I thought maybe she was new for the movie. No, she's she's a character in the comics. Um, I don't know her either. If I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, um, I believe she's one of the, like, one of the students at the school. So Wolverine I think she was, at the, in the Jean Grey school or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the Jean Grey school. Yeah. Yeah, no, dude. <laughs> they kind of tie Deadpool in with Wolverine, but it's a very similar dynamic to him and Cable. He's also associated to a very unlikely duo. He's 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 the third wheel in a very strange relationship, and he's been caught up in a love triangle with Mistress Death and Thanos. Really, Thanos, Thanos, Thanos. Yeah, I always say Thanos. I I always say Thanos, but I know I've heard you say Thanos before, so we, did, we do this all the time. <laughs> we can't agree on how to say so. No. How do they say it in the movie in Guardians? Oh, good question. I'd have to go back and look at it. I'm pretty sure it's Thanos. Just because I want to win this argument. Oh, you might be right. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> now that you mentioned it. Your partnership with Thanos is at risk. Thanos requires your presence now! 
So I'm going to break down the love triangle as best as I can, right? Go for it. And like I mentioned earlier, this is one of those really good stories that just happens to have Deadpool in it. So when Thanos was growing up on the moon of Titan, he was obsessed with this young girl. He was always kind of a strange kid, kind of an odd kid, but otherwise normal. This little girl kind of got in his head really early on. She's very persuasive and very early on has a sort of control over over Thanos, convincing him that, that he is different and that nobody understands him and that he can't and shouldn't interact with all these other people that think that he's different. So he kind of grows up with her and doesn't go into adulthood with this little girl, but there's some pretty tragic events that happen that kind of back up what she was trying to tell him. Him and his classmates go on some sort of a field trip into, some, into these caves to go exploring, and there's these creatures in there that are sort of like these lizard creatures and the class gets attacked by these lizard creatures right and they end up killing all the different uh school kids except for thanos so thanos comes back to the school he is basically blamed for the death of all these children right everybody already thinks he's weird he already acts kind of weird so he's ostracized and he kind of gets into his head that maybe maybe he is different maybe something is strange about him and the little girl you know she turns out to be a mistress death keeps kind of egging him on so he goes back to the cave, slaughters all these animals, kind of has a, a Anakin going back to the Tusken Raider kind of a kind of a vibe. He grows up to kind of become a very cruel, very dark type of a person. Thanos goes on all these adventures and and takes on a lot of wives and mistresses and has a lot of children. But in this time, Mistress Death has disappeared and reappears to him as an adult woman. She's the only person that he's ever really truly loved. He asks her, what do I have to do for you to get, you know, to love me? And her master plan is for him to slaughter all his wives, all his mistresses, and all his children. And then maybe she would consider being his lover. So what does the Mad Titan do? He goes on a journey across the galaxy, slaughtering his wives, slaughtering his mistresses, and slaughtering his children. Legitimate everybody with Mistress Death at his side. So here's the cool part. Nobody, oh man, spoilers. God, if, if <laughs> this is a good story, check it out. Nobody can see Mistress Death. So when his crew members on his ships, well, you know, while he's going across these galaxies, when he's interacting with Mistress Death, he is talking to himself or he is talking to corpses. So his crew is like, this guy is mad. This guy's crazy. So the third wheel, guess who Mistress Death is obsessed with? The one guy who can't die. That's right. So yeah. Deadpool is the third wheel in this story. It's so interesting that Deadpool is the third wheel. Deadpool was back at Weapon X and they had done the experiment and it didn't look like it was going to take and the cancer went into hyperdrive and it was killing him. He promised Mistress Death that he was on his way to be with her for the rest of eternity. But instead, his healing factor kicked in and that is preventing him from spending an eternity with her. Thanos found out about their relationship, so of course he's madly jealous. He's a mad titan. The mistress that he wants is messing around with the court jester. And the only way he can keep this court jester away from his woman is to curse him with immortality. That makes Deadpool officially uncurable.
killable. So he's come back, much like Wolverine. At least this has an explanation where Wolverine has come back from a drop of blood. Right. <laughs> and kind of regenerated from that. At least Deadpool has an explanation. Thanos has cursed him with immortality. So he can never be with Mistress Death. The only thing I wonder, did she like Wade Wilson before he became Deadpool? Because I would assume it would be like after. Like, you know, here's this guy who can't die. So it's kind of like that. I want what I can't have kind of thing. That's so a good it, question. Because he was a pretty kind of an unassuming dude. He His parents were divorced. His dad was drunk and abusive. There's nothing there that says, you know, he was a special dude. He, he had a, definitely had a villain origin. So I'm not sure. I wonder if she knew what he would become. You know, because death always knows when it's coming. Perhaps mm-hmm. her obsession with him, knowing that he would become immortal in in an ironic twist, is Thanos sees that and makes him immortal. So basically, makes him what he is, and it's his own fault. Dude, that's so perfect. It's like chicks always want the guys that they can have, right? And dudes yeah. are the same. They always want what you can't have, right? Thanos wants Mistress. He can never have her. Mistress Death wants Deadpool. She can never have him. And Deadpool is just over here eating chimichangas. Yeah, chimichangas. So one of one of the other cool stories that I have, and this one's actually my favorite. You know, I like the the love triangle. I, I thought that was really cool how they've kind of plugged Deadpool in and he makes sense, right? It's not forced. One of my favorite Deadpool stories is the recent Killogy that happened. So the Killogy was a three-part series and each part was about four bucks each. Started with Marvel Kills... Oh, I'm sorry. Deadpool, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. Yep. Yeah. Deadpool Killustrated and Deadpool Kills Deadpool. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. So the story starts off, and, and I won't I won't spoil the, the entire thing, but the story starts off with Professor X and the X-Men dropping off Deadpool at Ravencroft. He has gone especially mad, and they're just tired of dealing with him. One of the best uh, therapists in the world works at Ravencroft, and, the prof- and this is kind of weird because the therapist is actually Psycho Man, right? Okay. Yeah. From the, I believe he's from the Micronauts universe, right? And he's actually in the therapy. He's like, he's he's like writing an Android version of the therapist. Wait. In the therapist's head. Is it? Uh, no, isn't Psycho Man from the Fantastic Four? Oh, he might be. I think he's from the Fantastic Four. Okay. He has like this box that he uses to do different emotions and stuff like that. I think that's who he is. Yeah, I looked it up. Psycho Man first appeared in Fantastic Four Annual Number 5 in 1967. But he was a primary villain in the microverse. But what I don't get is, why didn't Professor X catch this? Basically give, handing Deadpool over to a life model decoy with a little tiny man sitting in his head. How, how do you not catch that? Do you wonder if it's because if you're dropping someone off at an insane asylum... You have all these people claiming to have so many voices. Psycho Man was posing in the place of the actual therapist. Oh, I see. I, for the story, I get it. From a writing perspective, it's like, yeah, don't think about it. Just kind of go with it. But it would have made way more sense to not even have the Professor X. Just have like Scott and Wolverine and Beast or Colossus or something. You know what I mean? Like, don't throw the world's greatest telepath <laughs> into that mix. <laughs> right? That's like the one thing that he does. And he didn't catch it. So Deadpool always hears different voices right and these voices are always kind of differentiated by different colored word bubbles you'll see yellow you'll see white you'll see red different lettering colors uh, there's a lot of different ways that the artist depicts deadpool as having multiple voices in his head well during one of the therapy sessions the uh, psycho man brings out a different voice 
that Deadpool had always had but wasn't prominent. While Deadpool is being examined, he's talking to his different voices and he hears a new voice and he says, who's that? And then that voice kills the other voices in his head and becomes the now the loudest voice in his head. Now, keep in mind, Deadpool, the character, n- still not in control. Right? right. So even Deadpool's wondering, hey, where do the other guys go? And he's like, what other guys? It's me now. This new voice basically tells him and really, really questions Deadpool's fictitious, like, non-entity existence. Like, what are you doing? What are we? What's really going on? Why do we keep losing these battles? Why do the good guys keep winning? (laughs) You know, who's writing this? And he really kind of goes into his head, starts to wonder, how can we save your sorry from this endless cycle of continuity. The new voice comes up with the idea that, well, in order to break the cycle, we're going to have to kill every single hero and villain in the Marvel Universe. So he goes on a killing spree like no other. I'll give you some examples. He goes and steals Pym Particle, and he's fighting Thor, right? How does Deadpool defeat Thor? Deadpool can never defeat Thor. Deadpool figured out a way where when Thor throws his hammer at him, dodges the hammer, the hammer comes back, Yarlan comes back, and Deadpool hits it with pin particles that make it giant. Thor hammers himself with a giant Yarlan and ends up crushing Thor. He fights the Hulk essentially to exhaustion and makes the Hulk think that he's finally killed Deadpool, waits till he is uh, turned back into Bruce Banner. Banner and so exhausted that he f- ends up in a cave, falling asleep, and Deadpool just kills him while he's Bruce Banner in a cave sleeping because he's... He's broken the fourth wall. He's he's no longer controlled by the comic writer. That's how the, the story kicks in. And then at the end of this, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. He's realized that killing the Marvel Universe isn't enough because there's these characters are based on other arts of, of literature. So the second part in the trilogy is Deadpool Illustrated, where Deadpool goes around and breaks out of comics and starts killing the classics. I remember saying Deadpool versus Moby Dick. It's really cool because the protagonist in these are like uh, Sherlock Holmes and a couple of other very famous iconic characters. characters, Yeah, they're chasing Deadpool around and Deadpool's killing the characters that influenced the Marvel characters, right? So he's going one step out. Bunch of really cool stories. I I won't get too deeply into them because it's just a lot of Deadpool hopping from book to book to book to book. (laughs) Just killing. Killing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. At the end of this middle story, he realizes that it's not enough. Now that he's killed all these classic uh, characters, he's still around. He needs to get rid of himself. He went around killing all these Marvel characters. He went around killing all these uh, classic literature characters. But Deadpool still exists, so now he has to go around and he has to start killing Deadpool. Deadpool Kills Deadpool is the final part in this trilogy. And it's really cool because now on this third act, we go into uh, 616 Deadpool's world. You know, the story starts off very unassuming. Right? He's just kind of working. And a ship comes in and a bunch of Deadpools start piling out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like Headpool, Dogpool, Lady Deadpool. And they're all running to 616 Deadpool because 616 seems to be the epicenter for all the other multi- All the other ones, yeah. So they're trying to recruit the main Deadpool and letting him know that there's another Deadpool killing all the Deadpools in the multiverse. So it's a lot of funny banter that way. It's even funnier because uh, the Deadpool from the first two stories has essentially hired other Deadpools as mercenaries (laughs) to kill other Deadpools. (laughs) 
he has basically a squad of Deadpools versus 616 squad of Deadpools. They're all killing each other, and it's like a massacre. This is what I mean when I said earlier, if you read a Deadpool story, expect utter chaos. <laughs> of course, the 616 Deadpool wins. Of course. He's, you know, he does. He, it, and it's totally how you would expect a Deadpool story arc to go. A lot of buildup, you know, three acts, four or five comics in each act, and it just basically ends with the Deadpool that we all know and love kind of shrugging his shoulders and walking off like, that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have the opportunity to buy the, you know, like the, the complete series or whatever, I do highly recommend it. It's really good. So that kind of brings us into kind of, kind of to close this part of the podcast out. We're going to record after we watch the movie. We decided to do sort of a two-parter with, with the Deadpool hype, you know, at our doorstep. The movie will be out next day. So this is the day before the movie is released officially. So it's going to be interesting to, to see what happens. So by the time you, uh, Chimichanga Eaton listener, here's this podcast, you probably would have already seen Deadpool. If not, what the heck are you doing listening to this podcast if you haven't seen Deadpool yet? Because we're going to be talking spoilers here uh, very soon. Indeed. All right, Thomas. So on that note, uh, what I think we'll do is I think we're going to borrow one of uh, Cable's old tricks and body slide into the future where we would have already seen the Deadpool movie. So let's go ahead and body slide into the future where we'll continue this podcast and review the movie Marvel's Deadpool. Coming up next. Whoa, all right, so we just finished body sliding, man. We are now a few days into the future. Tom, how did you like the movie? You know what? It looks like my body sliding gadget was a little off because <laughs> my significant other who wants to see this movie is out of town until this coming Thursday. But, but I know everyone's really hyped up about Deadpool, so I'm going to readjust my little body slide and go see it on Friday. <laughs> nice. But we have to talk about it because everyone's talking about it. It's it's happening now. Everyone's excited about it. So I don't want to hold anything back. So I am ready to be spoiled to pieces. Did you did you body slide into a plate of nachos and uh, nachos? Stopped? <laughs> <laughs> so you're okay with continuing uh, this spoiler filled episode of uh, second half of the Deadpool comic relief podcast? You all right with that? I can't imagine there's anything in there that you can possibly say where I'm going to go, dude. You just ruined it for me. The only thing I don't know about Deadpool is the Stanley cameo. That's the only thing I don't know. I'll tell you what. This movie, it is spot on a Deadpool movie. Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. He is to Deadpool what Robert Downey Jr. is to Tony Stark. They're one and the same now. They're synonymous. Kudos to Ryan Reynolds. Um, he really stuck his neck out and, and hung in there with this movie and he's been trying to get it produced for over 10 years and they finally did it and it's paying off in spades. It's making ton of money. Biggest rated R opening in movie history history fox is now thinking about making all their movies rated r rated r well deserved i like ryan reynolds i've never met anybody that didn't like ryan reynolds um, he seems to always get some bad breaks in his rom-com movies and stuff like that but he finally broke through with daredevil and and by daredevil you mean deadpool deadpool that's what i said yeah <laughs> oh, okay i'm glad he stuck with it because it's really good there are a ton of easter eggs and references and everything that you would expect in a deadpool movie the story which i really really appreciate is a small tale so deadpool is not saving the world he's not saving new york it's just really 
Deadpool avenging his girl and what you know the villain did to him and his girl and that's really it he's just tracking him down yeah from what I heard from Ryan Reynolds they they were given a very small budget to say go ahead and make your movie Mm -hmm. and so they said well it's going to be easy because we don't have aliens flying in from space like the Avengers you know we don't have like spaceships out in space like Guardians of the Galaxy it was very very Earth centered so you know there was not a lot of need for a lot of special effects no 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 and and it really feels like a true street level mercenary kind of what you see in Daredevil and the Netflix movies and Jessica Jones with just a bit more CGI because Deadpool does go over the top this movie hits you right off the bat with references within the first minute there's already a reference to Rob Liefeld there's already a reference to Green Lantern to Hello Kitty to you name it and it just is nonstop you can't you can't really spoil this movie because it really is Deadpool origin which stays fairly true to the comics chasing down the bad guy and spoilers killing the bad guy and, and that's why I wasn't I wasn't worried about talking about it even though I haven't seen it yet because it's like when the the movie The Hobbit came out and people are like dude spoilers and I'm like dude <laughs> it's a book that's been out since like 1937 <laughs> <laughs> it's been around for a while <laughs> you know Deadpool's been around for 20 years you know what I mean yep. everything I've heard it is pretty much the comic yeah. put into a movie and even the scenes before way is turned into Deadpool. Wade Wilson in his pre-Deadpool scarred up form is still Wade Wilson. He's still funny. He's still a smart aleck. It's not like, you know, you're not waiting for this this transformation. The original story is 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 pretty true to the comics. I mean, there's a there's the there's a little bit of, of liberty that they take, but nothing too crazy. The time that he spends being tortured in the Weapon X facility or whatever it is, they don't really call it the Weapon X facility. It's good. Good. few references to um and they're not they're not like a uh, verbal references there are some shots that look straight like they're straight out of the um the x-men movies oh oh really where, with wolverines and where wolverines in that kind of like thick uh mucusy fluid and he's kind of jumping out of it you know that yeah that shot where he's like raging out of it there's a scene with him with deadpool kind of coming out of it too like that that's a shame they didn't reference it as the weapon x program i might be wrong but i I don't think I really honestly don't think they called it Weapon X at any point. I mean, it looks and feels like like Weapon X for sure. I don't think they just ever really called it that. Canada gets no respect. They have the Weapon X program and they have the Department H program, which is like what Alpha Flight's from. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just it's right up there with Weapon X. Yeah, you could have used either one of those, man. No, no, seriously. No, no, I know, I know what you're saying. They could have easily just tossed in a, an Alpha Flight reference yeah, on, on the cheap right there. You know, they'd probably throw Sasquatch out there, and he would kill Sasquatch, and then you'd rage. I rage! I'd come out of the mucus. <laughs> <laughs> totally, dude. Okay, so let's talk about his supporting cast. Okay, go for it. First of all, let me start off by saying, honestly, and this is what made the movie for me, this movie felt like the first true X-Men movie. This is my favorite X-Men movie to date. But here's the thing, though. Colossus is done so, so well. He is seven feet tall. He's a gigantic monster of of a mutant. I mean, he's huge, but he has the Russian accent, and he has that he has that gentle giant attitude in this movie as well. Which which is what Colossus is. Totally, total, total, total. He's like he's like he has like the heart of a poet, it, yeah. the painter, because that's what he used to do. He used to be yes. a painter. 
and they totally totally translated that into the into the movie and they absolutely nailed it and negasonic teenage warhead who again i've never heard of before i wasn't really too impressed in the in the commercials and the previews she seemed a little emo but after watching this movie, it is perfect because Colossus, she is Colossus's uh, understudy. It works so perfectly because they give this big lug, this like emo teenager, a sidekick slash student. Their chemistry works out so well. It's so perfect that way. I watched a interview with Ryan Reynolds and they said they dug up some obscure characters and her being one of them. I guess she only has like a few appearances. Oh yeah, I'm not surprised. Such a cool reaction that Deadpool has to her name when, when I forget who says her name and Deadpool is just like, what the sh**? That is an awesome name. And he just goes <laughs> off about her name. And they're in the movie for a good chunk of, of time. One of one of my worries was that Colossus was going to make a quick cameo, say a few words, and then just kind of disappear. That was my concern. I was thinking that what you see in the trailer where he walks up to that chick and then she hits him and slams him back. I was like, I wonder if that's all we're going to see of Colossus. No, he was actually in the movie for a good chunk of time him and uh, negasonic teenage warhead so some of the other supporting characters are uh vanessa which is the love interest morena baccarin and uh, weasel tj miller isn't she the chick from gotham now that you mention it i was wondering where she was from yeah she's uh, gordon's wife or gordon's girlfriend whatever girlfriend the new yeah. uh, the medical chick yes and she I... is hot in this movie man <laughs> she is beautiful in this movie and you know what man and here's a spoiler she plays a prostitute in the movie wade wilson is so up and she's so up it's a believable love story and you care about them it is a pretty good love story because it's just as screwed up as deadpool is and vanessa is actually I, I i pulled this up she is in the comics now i don't know if if they're gonna be doing this but she plays copycat i mean but now she, she doesn't play copycat vanessa she is becomes. copycat uh, they don't mention it at all they don't even hint at it there are too many references to to name off hello kitty gets a bunch of shout outs for those of you that don't know the official deadpool movie page only follows one other page on twitter that's uh, hello kitty that's hello kitty yeah I, <laughs> one. there's gotta be a reason it's so weird actually I, I won't give this one away but there's a reference to a character that we don't really um we're not really a big fan of. I don't think you are anyways. But uh, she's kind of uh, one of the test subjects sitting around. And it's really quick, but it's it. You, you might actually. Can I make a guess? Yeah, go for it. Is it ecstasy? No, it's not ecstasy. Okay. Because as soon as you said not a fan and her, that's the first person I thought of. <laughs> there is a reference to Ryan Reynolds as well. The reason, so here's the deal with this reference, right? The reason Ryan Reynolds became interested in the Deadpool project is because he read a one of the panels in Deadpool. I forget which, which issue it was in. But Deadpool in the books referenced himself as looking like Ryan Reynolds crossed with a Sharpay. There's even a friggin' helicarrier in the movie, dude. What? How There's did they pull a, that off? Well, you know, I imagine if, as long as they don't put any, um, like, shield emblems or anything on it, it's just... It's a just a flying ship. Yeah. yeah, it's a flying ship. There's a Stan Lee cameo. I won't ruin it for you. It is an awesome cameo. I totally understand why Stan Lee says it's his favorite cameo of all time. It's killer. That's the one thing I'm really looking forward to, because it's, it's the only thing I don't know. I love 
the uh, fan theory that surrounds Stanley. He's the watcher. He's the watcher. Yeah, that would be cool. I love that idea. <laughs> that would be great, actually. So yes, this movie is extremely vulgar and raunchy and perverted and inappropriate. They definitely push the, their R rating. In a way, you just kind of described my personality. Nice. <laughs> Vulgar, inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, right. Gassy. <laughs> that too. That too. But yeah, it's. It, I don't. I don't see how this movie would have worked with a PG thirteen rating. It, it wouldn't have. You would not have the same. The same effect. I started thinking about other R rated movies I've seen. Blade, R rated. Yeah. For, for violence, and it needs to be. The Crow, R-rated, for violence, it needs to be. Dread, R-rated, for violence, it needs to be. Like, if you get Deadpool and even Wolverine, these need to be R-rated movies. Now, unfortunately, Batman, I think, would fall under that list as well, but they would never do a rated R Batman movie, unfortunately. I think they could, but the problem with Batman, like, unlike Deadpool and Wolverine, Batman is violent, but not to the point of death. Batman typically is like, I'm just going to get you with my batarang, get you in a hold and knock you out. But the thing is with with Batman, I don't think it's so much Batman himself would need the R rating, but I think the villains of Gotham uh, that's true. that R rating, right? Yeah, like the Joker I, and stuff like that and, to and show and the just, violence. Okay, so the last person that we haven't talked about or, the, or characters are Ajax, the villain, okay. and Angel Dust. And Ajax is Ajax is played by Ed Screen. Screen, Screen. Angel Dust is played by um, Gina Carano. Both really cool characters, really cool villains. I mean, they're they're definitely not uh, Wilson Fisk level villains. You know, they're they're definitely I would say maybe C list in the movie type villains. Uh, I thought there was another character, uh, the chick who was in Star Trek, who is Wilson's like roommate, the blind chick. Oh, uh, oh my God, what was her name? Blind Al. Yeah, Blind Hell is awesome. The supporting characters in this movie just killed it. I mean, they really helped bring the whole movie together, and you really care about all these characters, and the way you know Deadpool interacts with all of them is hilarious. They're good. Even the taxi driver that you see in the commercials where he's crawling through the little hole, and even that dude's funny. Like, name three of your favorite things, scenes from the movie. Oh, man. My favorite scene in the movie has to be the final battle. Uh, Deadpool, Colossus, and Negasonic Teenage Warhead gear up and go after Ajax and Angel Dust. It's perfect. Second favorite scene, oh, man, there there are too many. There are <laughs> way too many. I think the, the scene with Colossus and Deadpool fighting on the freeway, and when I say he tries to beat up Colossus, he tries to punch and kick Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's just so he just tortures himself doing it and it's funny uh, third favorite scene would have to be either a tie and there's no one specific scene that really comes to mind but it has to be either Wade's kind of love story tied with either that him interacting again not any one specific scene but his interactions with, with Weasel so if you had to rank this with all the other current even like the Disney freaking Marvel Studios movies where would you put it? Ooh, dude, this is a tough one. Tough questions. I think it cracks my top three, man. I don't know. Really? 
I don't know who I would bump in, in the top three. Um, I would I would lean towards bumping Iron Man probably because it's the movie that's like farthest away from the more recent movies. But I would put it up there for me with Winter Soldier and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That wraps up our Deadpool podcast or Deadcast, our cast with the mouth, if you will. Thank you for listening. And Thomas, tell, tell these uh, good people where they can find us. Oh, no, finish your tweet. So that's fine. Just give us a second. All right. You can go to com to go to our website. Click on the little tab that says issues and all of our podcasts are there. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash comic relief podcast. You can go to twitter.com forward slash comic relief pod and then the letter C. And then we have a YouTube channel, but it's not been updated in a while. It's youtube.com forward slash comic relief podcast. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. And go have a chimichanga. Thank you for listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. We'll hope you join us next time as we continue to discuss all things comic book related. And until then, make mine marvel. And see. And independent. Don't forget to check us out at comicreliefpodcast.com or you can visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash comic relief podcast or go to our youtube channel www.youtube.com forward slash comic relief podcast and finally there is our twitter page which is twitter.com forward slash comic relief p-o-d-c i'd like to give a special shout out to travis richards who did the music for the comic relief podcast visit his website at www.travisarichards.com Do you know the name of that song that's always in the trailer? Yeah, it's the um, it's by Salt and Pepper. Is it really? Uh, yeah, the one that goes, "Ooh yeah, I wanna shoot, baby, shoot." Yeah, I'm dancing naked right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best way to dance, bro. <laughs> it's the only way to dance. Boy, that fish tank sounds like you're taking like a good leak. Does it? Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> you got a little bit of a buzz when you talk. No, it's because I've been drinking. <laughs> I need like a shirt with a little clip on, or I'll just clip it to my nipple. Put it, yeah. <laughs> Give it to you. 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 Give it to